Next on BYUSN, Cougar football adds another quarterback to the room. Welcome, Jake Retzloff. Who is he and what's he about? Plus, Jay Hill does Dis Disneyland differently, and we're here for it. I could do some Disneyland right about now. Welcome to BYU Sports Station, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, January 10th. I am Spencer Linton, alongside a man who loves Disney himself, Jerem Jordan. I do love Disney. Uh, went last April for the first time in a minute, and it was fun. Uh, I actually saw Tom Homel there, and we had the same shirt on, different colors. <laughs> so it was... It, Repping the Wyatt it's Disneyland! Like, it's like Mickey doing, like, essentially yes. a Wyatt, which was great. Okay, uh, here's what's on the show today. BYU signs another quarterback. We'll tell you who he is, uh, how we think he fares uh, in that quarterback room, what the future looks like there in that position this fall. Our way too early football hot takes for the 2023 season. ESPN's Trevor Maddich helps us put a bow on the college football season after the unentertaining national title game last night between Georgia and TCU. Jeez! Brutal. And BYU's NFL relevance, continuing that conversation from yesterday. We keep uh, receipts on our 2022 projections, who is closest to the pin on those, and the top five NFL seasons by a former Cougar. We made it just one season per player. Otherwise, Steve Young would have like all five, maybe. Uh, here are today's headlines. <laughs> Let's get into the needy-greedy of this BYU football quarterback situation. The Cougars add another QB to the 2023 roster with the official announcement of junior college transfer Jake Retzloff. A dual threat quarterback, huge arm, transfers from Riverside City College where he threw for almost 4,600 yards last season. 44 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. He's the number one rated JUCO quarterback in the state of California. He will have three years to play two. Much more on this coming up. Linebacker Ben Bywater puts Ryan Rico into the AP All Bowl team following their performances in the New Mexico Bowl. Remember that? It was like a few weeks ago. Yep. Bywater tied a season high 11 tackles, had this pick six. Rico set a New Mexico Bowl game record with a 67 yard punt. BYU women's basketball power forward Lauren Gustin earns her second West Coast Conference Player of the Week honor following a ridiculous 21-point, 24-rebounds performance against San Diego. She's making a serious case to be an All-American, already listed as one of the top 40 players in the country according to ESPNW. It just hit me. Your teammates have to help you by missing shots. So congratulations. Well, that and... You need your opponents to miss a bunch of shots too, true, right? True. She gets it done on both sides. Both sides. She didn't baby. have a career high eight offensive rebounds to your point That's what in, I'm this, saying. in this game. You need a couple bricks from the homies? Let's go. <laughs> Mountain Rim Gymnastics Conference Awards are out for week one in this Alvarado, the bar specialist of the week, at least Rollins, the beam specialist. He competes at the best of Utah Friday night, 9 Eastern in West Valley at the Maverick Center with Utah, Utah State, and Southern Utah. Live on BYU TV at 9 Eastern. BYU men's volleyball into the ABCA poll at number 13 following a solid 2-0 start to the season. Couple of wins at home. Cougars have a 10-day break before their next match against Fairleigh Dickinson on January 20th. Women's volleyball signs Utah State transfer Kalia Thunstrom. She uh, had 163 assists over two seasons at Utah State as one of the backups. BYU men's tennis announces the addition of Kobe Tran to the roster. Now, that's a familiar name because he was a member of the team from 2018 to 2020 before taking a break from the sport. He has two years of eligibility remaining and returns with an eight and three singles record from his freshman year specifically. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. 
What's Trending presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. The BYU quarterback room now taking solid shape with Keaton Slovis as the projected number one coming in as the grad transfer and the addition of Jake Retzloff, huge arm, number one rated Juco quarterback out of California to probably learn for a year and then be the guy for years two and three, BYU in the Big 12? Perhaps. Maybe. Jerem, what do you think? What does the BYU 2023 quarterback room look like now, and what are the expectations for this room? Yeah, first I want to talk about Jake for a sec. Um, you, you mentioned it, but yeah, exciting. Um, we've alluded to this uh, over the last couple of weeks that this could happen. Here it is finally with uh, Jake Retzloff. Uh, excited to have him. He's got a unique uh, kind of arm angle, can sling it. He can also rush it pretty well, right? Um, he rushed for 500 yards last year at Riverside. Before that, he was at Golden West. So, Juco guy the last two years, trying to get at a, a D1 program. Now he enters a Power 5 team with BYU as a guy who's going to compete for the starting spot right away with Keaton. You'd think Keaton's the guy, of course, given his experience at USC and Pitt. Um, we, we can just pencil in Keaton right there unless we're surprised and otherwise. But Jake comes in and he competes probably for that backup spot. And the redshirt rules are different now. The hope is that Jake can redshirt next year. Yes. Because he could play up to four. A bowl game doesn't count against those four, by the way. So it's kind of four plus bowl um, if need be. And he certainly has uh, the numbers to do it. You like the Juco history, certainly with Sark in the 90s. BYU's not had a ton of Juco guys per se. But he comes in and has an opportunity to step into a program where BYU's going to sling it. And Aaron Roderick develops quarterbacks, and he's really excited about Jake. And so I love how he fits into the room, which looks like this, perhaps, going into the fall in no particular order. Keaton Slovis from Pitt, Jake Retzloff from Riverside uh, uh, City College, Cade Fennigan returns. We haven't seen Cade play yet. Ryder Burton from Springville, who apparently already knows the playbook, according to Aaron Roderick. <laughs> uh, Bull J. Mayava Peters, yep. perhaps. Nick Billups, we'll see. With walk-ons, it can be um, you know, in flux. Who knows? Um, and then there is another transfer who's a preferred walk-on from an Ivy League school whose brother's going to play here in a couple years. I can't say his name, but I've given you all the clues that you could possibly need who won two state titles. That's seven quarterbacks. So, yeah. I don't think BYU keeps seven, so someone probably goes. But... Um, Excited about that room, excited about the future, excited about the media the most, though, because um, if the present isn't good, um, you certainly build for the future. But this isn't like a, oh, crap, we don't know who the quarterback is. I feel like BYU feels pretty confident about this group. Keaton certainly leads the charge. Yep. Then there'll be a competition between Jake and Cade and Ryder and company for that number two spot. Keaton Slovis is the dude. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go on record and say that. He's, yeah, he's the guy. He's going to start. I'm, he's going to be the I'm dude. I'm just giving, throwing Jake a bone. Absolutely. Uh, you don't bring him in to not be the no. guy. No. Keaton Slovis is the dude, and I love the scenario for Jake Retzloff, that he can come into a new system with Aaron Roderick, who has now a history of developing solid quarterbacks. I know it's solid. only two More than that. elite yeah. quarterbacks, right? If you play in the NFL, yeah. you get drafted. That's worth. That's worthy of the number two pick e word, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I love the scenario for a three-star and Retzloff to come and learn the system while he watches an experienced guy like Keaton Slovis, yeah. and then just maybe he does play in a few games. Hopefully, it's not necessary, but maybe BYU's blowing out a team. Let's throw him in there. Let him play four games. Let him get some reps with the offense. Uh, and do his thing, and then he can still redshirt and be the dude for BYU in 2024 and 2025. 
things always happen fast with the transfer portal. So I that, mean, that's we're, why we're, I we're am... kidding ourselves if we think like, oh, it's locked in for sure. Because if somebody becomes Nothing's available and it's a big time quarterback and all of a sudden they want to play at BYU because now Keaton Slovis has a great year and BYU has now placed Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall and Keaton Slovis into the NFL, then this becomes an, a, an attractive destination yes. spot. But I'm okay with this, Jerem. Yeah. Bring in all of these great quarterbacks to compete with each yes. other and do your thing. It makes everybody better. I like Jake. I think he will be the starting quarterback at BYU at some point. Based on what I've heard from Aaron Roderick and from the recruiters, they are super high on this dude, and they fully anticipate that he will be a starting quarterback at BYU at some point. Yeah, he, he seems like he could be the guy next year, meaning 24. Um, but who knows what happens? Like, yeah, I, yeah, just assimilate talent, develop them, be ready. Because if you're Max Duggan, you know who you were um, going at this point last year? You were a backup. And then you end up leading your team all the way to the national title game. Now, they get creamed in that. But Wild. you had an incredible season. Like, you need to be ready. Stetson Bennett transferred to a JUCO away from Georgia when he lost the job. Uh, or he wasn't even the starter. He wasn't in the mix. No, he wasn't, he wasn't even close. He wasn't even close. You just need, like, who knows? Is that, uh, you know, Cade Finnegan right now? Who knows? But the, the idea of you need multiple guys, yep. you need to be ready. Like, what was BYU missing last year that probably didn't help them as much against uh, Notre Dame and ECU? It's that they didn't have a backup that they trusted enough to give the ball when Jaron Hall got hurt. And that's the thing I love most about this. Yes, when Jaron, Jaron, to his credit, played through it, but he had to because BYU didn't have Baylor Romney. They didn't want to give the ball to Jacob Conover in that situation against Notre Dame or Cade Fennigan quite yet, right? So the, but they would have given it to Baylor. They would have given it to Baylor, I believe, in that situation. And clearly they had shown as much previously with a few other injured Jaron Hall moments. Now this year, it's like, you just don't know what's going to happen. You can assume almost nothing relative to health or effectiveness. You hope Keaton Slovis balls out, throws for 3,535 touchdowns and is a second or third round pick next year. And we go, dude, that was awesome. Now we go to the next guy. But you don't know who the next guy is. Just, just get him in the room, get him here, and see what happens. Because Aaron Roderick has shown when, when he's not handcuffed at that school up north offensively, he's come down here and he's really flourished. Like, if I'm a Utah fan, I'm like, oh, gosh, we could have been doing this with A-Rod. Why didn't we let him do this? They didn't let him do it. Um, they didn't let him kind of kind of be a, be a peacock. I got to fly! Um, to quote one of the most underrated movies, the other guys. And now Jake Retzloff is here. We'll see what he can do. Uh, 6'2", 200. Can sling it, can run it. Kind of a dual threat option there. Um, I'm excited, man. Ryder Burton's probably the one going... Don't, don't sleep on me either, though I would love for Ryder to redshirt and then sort of compete in the next couple of yes. years. But, and then you continue to bring in other guys. There's some other high-profile recruits in next year's class that BYU is excited about for 24 and so on and so forth. So keep it going because if, if you have a really good quarterback at BYU, you give yourself a chance, especially in a new Power 5 league where BYU is going to face something it's never faced, which is 10 Power 5 teams a year. The word that comes to mind in all of this as it pertains to Aaron Roderick is more freedom. Freedom to not have to carefully craft your play calling sheet so that you can keep Jaron Hall healthy because you don't otherwise you can't play. afford to lose your starter. I'm not saying that Jake Retzloff is the answer if Keaton Slovis gets hurt, heaven forbid. But there's more freedom there mentally yeah. for sure. He had to change the New Mexico Bowl to be a run based 
play call. 100%. Like, like it was super unique, right? Yeah, so um, that, was a, that was a call late in the week. They made that decision on Thursday. And that was, well, weeks leading up, they probably had a sense, right, that they, if it's Soul J, we got to do this. I don't think on Thursday, Aaron was like, oh, crap, I have to change all oh, the plays. Sorry, so what I'm but, saying is, like, on Thursday, they made the decision to go with yeah, Soul J over Cade. Yeah. And against SMU, certainly a little easier than when you're going against certain, uh, you know, Big 12 defenses that may offer up more three- and four-star talent, some five-star, right? It'll be harder to <laughs> tailor that. But now, yeah, I agree. Yeah, freedom's a good word freedom. for it. Where it's like, okay, I have experience. I have young and talented. I have sort of raw out of high school slash unproven. Well, even Cade Fennigan, like, he's, Cade and, he's been in the program for a while. Like, yeah. he knows the offense now. And that's the hope. I, I, like, we're hoping first-year guys are really impactful on this team because Cade's the only one looking around going, wait, am I the only one really in the mix to play here who's been here? That experience is certainly valuable and will aid him, especially in spring ball. But, like, coming out of spring, I would love to, for us to feel like, okay, we know it's Keaton one and then – Whoever, too, if that's Jake or Kate or maybe Ryder is amazing. I don't know. We'll see. This is exciting. When BYU's been really good at quarterback, that player has had to wait a little bit to get their turn. Zach was the exception where he started midway through his freshman year. But in the 80s and 90s, when you have these great quarterbacks, they didn't get thrown in the mix. They sat for at least a year. So we'll see what happens with these guys. All right. Uh, obviously, Keaton gets thrown in right away. Absolutely. He's the dude. He There's the freedom. There's freedom for the play yeah. caller to not have to carefully protect the starter. Like, just call the game, be aggressive, and see what happens. And we used to go, hey, we got this quarterback, Sweden, 26, he's the guy. You don't, you don't know. People transfer. <laughs> like, didn't we think Conover was going to be the future of BYU? He's in Arizona State. Like, you just never know. Okay, topic two. What is your way-too-early hot take now that the 2022 <laughs> season's over for the 23 BYU football season? Two answers came to mind initially. Like, right when I presented the question this morning, I was like, okay, I'd probably go with one BYU is going to have a better offense this year than they did last That's year. That's hot. Yep. Like that was the number the one thing. Like, because, and it's it's hot because you got a quarterback coming in. That you just don't know. We're hoping that Keaton Slovis quarterbacks, is amazing, right? You got, you're bringing in now multiple quarterbacks with the addition of Excited Brett. Excited to watch him. Yeah. That's my number one hot take. BYU's offense will be better in 2023, statistically speaking. What is better to you? Like, what what are you thinking? Better red zone scoring, um, more total yards per game, more points is number one. Like BYU's offense yep. going to score more yep. points and be better in terms of total yards, better red zone than they were this year. That is a super hot take. Okay, yep. now the mild hot take here, the mild sauce take here is BYU is going to start the season 3-0. They're going to beat, they beat Ar Arkansas. They're going to beat Arkansas okay. and be 3-0 and ranked. Southern Utah. Yes. BYU, my mild hot take. At Arkansas. BYU will start, start the season 3-0 and be ranked after they beat Arkansas. KJ Jefferson's back for Arkansas. BYU's got Keaton Slovis walking in 2-0, presumptively. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, my, I like those. I like those. Uh, mine is that BYU wins eight games. They just okay. come out and they go, mm, eight, eight, at least eight wins, right? Because right now, my realistic kind of expectation is, Let's just get to a bowl game. If you win half your regular season games, are you even that good? But it's relative strength. Like, we're walking, we being BYU football, into a new weight room, at, trying to get the same amount of reps up with more weight on, right? Mm -hmm. Tougher schedule. Um, we don't know that schedule quite yet. But despite not knowing, even if we said we got the nine easiest teams, like the four hardest weren't even on the schedule, I would still say 
make a bowl game in year one to try and figure it out. It's a brand new defensive staff. It's a brand new defense. You're bringing in a bunch of guys on the D-line. You're bringing in some new quarterbacks. There's a lot of unknown there. That doesn't mean that you're going to stink or be great. I just don't know what it's going to be. Last year, we walked into the season feeling like we knew exactly what BYU was going to be, that they were going to win nine or ten games, and we were wrong. They got close, but Jaron Hall's shoulder gets hurt, and BYU doesn't have a backup they trust, and the defense is worse than we thought. The running like, game is not what we thought it would be. It wasn't as effective. Injuries yep. come into play with Puka Nakua. All of it. Yes, Puka was a big one. All of it. But that's the beauty of sport is that we don't actually know what's going to happen. Spoiler alert. We don't actually know what's going to happen. The true reality we television. we five hours a week. It's reality television. No, but I love that because you think you know one thing that's different, but that's awesome. Um, and I'm excited to see what this looks like for BYU, what the schedule is, how BYU handles it. Can BYU stay relatively healthy? Can the Cougars go and do something they haven't done, which is, okay, now we're a P5 team. We become this stronger, better team. We recruit at a higher level. We, these transfers are effective. We get a pass rush. We get some more sacks. The defense has got Malik Moore has like five picks or whatever, back healthy, leading the back end of that defense. Duh, duh, duh. Aiden Robbins running for 1K. Keaton doing his thing. A lot of new faces, coaching staff players. It's going to be fun, man. It's January 10th, but can we play already? Yeah. We, can we just – Sam Houston, can, dun, 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 dun. can we play already? Can we start BYU's 3-0 campaign? <laughs> yes. To where they get ranked. We think it's 2-0 at least. 3-0 uh, <laughs> would be amazing. All right, you've heard our hot takes. Now it's time to hear from you. Our question of the day, what is your way-too-early hot take for the 2023 BYU football season? Let's go to Voice of the Nation with Michael Croxall on Instagram who answers, the future SEC schools will not win in Provo. So specifically Texas and Oklahoma, if they come to Provo, would they put BYU on the road in both of those if they, for, if they play Texas, hope for home games. Because at least one of those teams comes to. I'm Provo. hoping they do what Notre Dame didn't, which is come to Provo. <laughs> Sarah Bobo on Twitter says, BYU will send another quarterback and running back Ooh. to the NFL. That is a eight, hot eight, take. What? Yeah. What if Keaton? Yeah. Ooh. The best case scenario is that right there, right? Yeah. But they're so good that they leave. I mean, the A train. Aiden Robbins but. would need to have a remarkable year. He's got yeah. two years of eligibility, by yeah. the way. So he doesn't have to go. Uh, Sarah at also adds, BYU's defense will come out strong in the fall and impress the country with changes and improvements. I don't know if they'll impress the country. We don't need, like, that level. They'll Although impress that'd be great. the fan base because it'll be different and it will be aggressive. <laughs> Can they be top 50 in the country and stuff? I'd take um, top 70. Ugh, the standard's super high. <laughs> Join Gregor Bell, Mark Pope, and Jackson Robinson tonight for BYU Basketball with Mark Pope. 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app. The Cougars taking on Gonzaga Thursday, Pepperdine Saturday. And sadly, it's our final Maddich Monday, or I should say Trevor Tuesday, because of the national championship on Monday night. Did TCU do more harm than good in the Big 12 last night? He's going to answer that next on BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards, Protection for a life worth living. It's a touchdown to Cody Epps! Touchdown! Kingsley Ropati!
We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. It is time for a Maddich Tuesday with ESPN College Football Insider, expert, analyst, and all-around good man Trevor Maddich joining us now once again on BYU Sports Nation. Trevor, happy post-college football season day. And frankly, after how bad the game was last night, I'm ready to look ahead. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling great. It was only bad if you don't love domination and greatness. It wasn't competitive at all, but holy smokes, Georgia, what a, what a finish. Unbelievable performance by Georgia. So let's just go ahead and start there before we take on BYU and pushing ahead to 2023. Has Georgia supplanted Alabama as the clear number one in college football? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, they, they won two in a row. And what's more impressive is that they lost 15 guys to the NFL draft off of last year's Georgia National Championship team. All they did was reload, go undefeated again, win the National Championship again in dominating fashion. And that was really the big question for Georgia is could they sustain it? Getting there is, is hard, but sustaining it is even harder. I mean, you go back to 2017 and they played Alabama in the National Championship game and led in overtime until Tua Tango Vailoa through that amazing magic touchdown pass to snatch the national championship away from Georgia. The next year, Georgia's leading Alabama in the SEC championship game late, and Jalen Hurts as a backup came off the bench to lead the game-winning drive in the fourth quarter for Alabama. Then last year, they lose to Alabama in the SEC championship game, and it's like, we just can't get past Alabama. But then a few months later, they beat Alabama in the national championship game last year. So the question is, okay, so you got there. Can you sustain it? And after losing all those players to the draft this year, they got right back and did it again in dominating fashion. That's not just a great team. That's a great program. And if Ohio State makes a field goal, this is a totally different conversation. But that's how the game rolls, which is what TCU did. They won all these one-score games, right, to get there. But college football is officially over. We now look ahead to next year. We were talking about some of our hot takes relative to BYU way too early because it's January 10th. What's your hot take with BYU football looking ahead of 2023? There'll be tremendous excitement in BYU football. The offense will pick up where it left off this year, actually, and probably be a little bit better, I think. Wow. And because of those young receivers and because of an exciting running back room, Miles Davis and the rest of them, I mean, there's some real excitement with the skilled players. I think the defense will generate a lot of excitement. I think they'll give up some big plays, but with their new style of attacking, It'll be a different experience for BYU fans instead of sitting there watching BYU's defense sort of read and react and kind of keep everything in front of them. They're going to see BYU's defense dictate to the other side. Sometimes the Cougars will win. Sometimes they'll go over the top. But either way, it'll be a whole lot of fun. And I think this is going to be a, a tremendous season. And I think it'll be a bowl season. Trevor Mattis is with us on BYU Sports Station for a Maddich Tuesday. Keaton Slovis is the clear number one guy at quarterback coming in for his final year as a grad transfer. BYU has just added Jake Retzlaff, 6'2", 200 pounds, out of Riverside City College. He's a three-star, but more importantly, Trevor, he's the number one rated JUCO quarterback coming out of the state of California. BYU feels like he could be a guy for sure. How does this impact the quarterback's room, not just next year, but for years moving forward? Well, welcome to both of them. And it, it creates talent, of course, but it creates depth. And that's something that BYU hasn't really had to the degree that they've needed it 
in that quarterback room. I mean, when you look at Jaron Hall last year, even when he was banged up, he still played. You know, and so you didn't really have a whole lot of contribution from the backups. And that could be injury. It could be other things. I'm not casting aspersions on the on the backup quarterbacks from the 2022 season. Just to say that from a standpoint of starter, they're in great shape. Assuming Keaton Slovis wins the job, he's got to come in and win it now. And then now with this transfer, they're also in much more healthy shape from a standpoint of, of depth. And that's critical going into the Big 12 because all of a sudden with that Power 5 schedule, they need to make sure that in, in every position, especially the most critical ones, quarterback, that they've got the depth to be able to handle guys getting banged up. Last year, Stetson Bennett didn't begin as the starter. Uh, this year, Max Duggan didn't begin as the starter. So you certainly need a backup to be ready just in case. Baylor Romney was uh, the backup on a 10-3 BYU team last year. BYU didn't have Baylor Romney. It was 8-5. I'm not saying it's all Baylor, but certainly you need a, a capable backup. When we push ahead to this fall and BYU in the Big 12, and certainly we hope and expect uh, reportedly the Big 12 schedule out in the next couple of weeks, is it fair to expect more than a bowl game for BYU football this fall? Just make a bowl is the expectation. You know, make a bowl is a good expectation because everything will be new. The schedule will be more relentlessly difficult. And and if they make a bowl game, I think you could say, hey, that's a good starting point. Uh, I think if they get to seven or eight wins, it'll be pretty phenomenal. And it's possible they could do more than that. We'll see. I don't want to put a ceiling on them. But I do think BYU fans can be so excited and they can generate expectations that might not be fair. And then they set themselves up for disappointment. So I think right now, Bowl would be a good season. Seven or eight wins would be a phenomenal season, and I think that's where the expectations need to be set from the outside. On the inside, their expectation is to win every game, every single game, because every week that's what they plan to do. Trevor, BYU, from a Cougars in the NFL standpoint, feels just about as relevant as ever. In fact, yesterday we asked, is this the most relevant BYU has ever been in the NFL? Jeremy and I agree, you got to go back to 1987 to look at just the sheer number of players that BYU had across the league based on the powerhouse teams, including the national championship team that you were a part of. But where do you stand in that conversation in terms of how relevant BYU is in the NFL and, and how that stacks up all time? Well, you, you go back to kind of that era you're talking about. You've got Bart Oates at center, snapping to Steve Young at quarterback, winning Super Bowls. That, that, that is something that, uh, that is you know, pretty high up there from a standpoint of BYU's relevance in the NFL. But at the same time, you've got Andy Reid coaching the Chiefs now, the Super Bowl victories and all the great things that they're doing in Kansas City. And then when you look at the, the running backs now, Jamal Williams in, in Detroit just broke Barry Sanders' single-season Lions touchdown record and he led the league in rushing touchdowns for goodness sake and so he's fantastic and the fact that he's such a character he just has so much fun and he's not afraid to have fun in kind of a button-down age i think that's a lot of fun tyler algier in uh atlanta went over a thousand yards as a rookie uh, running back for the first time ever in the history of the falcons franchise and the guy is just he's just a bulldozer I mean, Bill Connolly, who's a, who's a prolific sports writer, says that he might even be the best running back in the NFL. That, that might be a little bit of a stretch, but to be in that conversation is fantastic. Bill Barnwell of ESPN.com has Tyler Algier as number three for Offensive Rookie of the Year. And his own teammates are talking about how hard he runs and how much they respect the way Tyler Algier approaches the game. And then, of course, Taysom Hill in um, New Orleans 
has done things that just aren't done. I mean, since the merger, nobody besides Taysom Hill, I believe, <laughs> has rushed, passed, and thrown for 10 touchdowns, right? And so you put all these things together with the fact that these guys have a joy for the game that just pops off the screen. It sets them apart. It breaks through. Besides just being great players on the field, I think that does make BYU relevant in the NFL, and that's important for recruits. And, of course, then you've got the standbys, you know, Fred Warner, linebacker for the 49ers, <laughs> captain oh, and way. alpha among alphas, right? And then Kyle Van Noy with the Chargers. I mean, you can go through and name a whole bunch of, of players that are great players that are great football character guys that recruits will look at and say, hey, look at all these BYU guys excelling in the NFL. BYU can get me to the NFL. And that with NIL, those are two of the most important things for recruits as they look uh, at what school they want to go to. And BYU is being so well represented right now by its, its alumni in the league. And it's exciting to see who will also join that group uh, next year. Jaron Hall, Puka Nakua, perhaps Blake Freeland, we'll see, and so on and so forth. What's the connection for you between successful NFL players, guys in the NFL period, undrafted free agents and draft picks, and success at BYU? Because it feels like there is a correlation, especially the last couple of years, of this ascent from BYU football with the increased talent in the league. Right. And the thing about BYU as a culture is that it's well known in the NFL. There, there are certain programs that scouts look to and say, yeah, we can count on these guys. Clemson has been one of those programs where by and large, Clemson players for the most part are going to be guys that scouts count on, coaches, NFL coaches count on to be good football character guys. BYU has the same thing because BYU players come into uh, Provo and a lot of times they don't come in with the five-star pedigree, but then they, they develop because they care about the game. I think Tyler Algier is a perfect example of that. He comes in as a walk-on, as a linebacker, converts to running back, ends up getting drafted, and then sets the, the rookie rushing record for the Atlanta Falcons with over 1,000 yards rushing, for goodness sake, in his rookie season. Well, that's not just because of great talent, although he is talented. It's because of the way he prepares. It's because of the way he approaches the game, the way he respects the game. And that shows up in all in the weight room. It shows up on the practice field, and all that shows up on the on game day. And when coaches and scouts and general managers look at the players they want to bring in, they want to bring in players that'll win. But why? Because they want to keep their job, and they want to get raises, and they want to bring in guys that they can trust. We'll give them everything they've got. And BYU is developing a reputation in the NFL of producing players that you can trust, not only to play well, but to be consistently as excellent as they can possibly be based on the gifts that they've been given from a talent standpoint. Trevor Mattis of ESPN is once again on BYU Sports Nation. Because of association, or I should say future association with the Big 12 from a BYU standpoint, it felt like a lot of Cougar fans were rooting for TCU last night. So... For TCU to show up and lose the way they did, how much does that really impact how the country, as far as a college football fan base, will view the Big 12? Uh, I think in the short term, it's not good because football is an emotional sport. And the emotional feeling that was left behind after that absolute wreckage of a game for TCU uh, is going to be negative for a while. But as that emotion recedes, I think people will recognize and appreciate that this is one of the greatest seasons in, in TCU history. I mean, they had an undefeated regular season. They beat Michigan in the semifinal and made it all the way to the final and then ran into a buzzsaw. 
And the way Georgia played, I don't know that anybody in the country would have would have had uh, uh, wouldn't have been blown out. Maybe not by that many points, but certainly the emotion of it is what feels awful now, and it feels awful for the Big Twelve now. But I don't think that changes the fact that TCU is still one of the best programs in the country. And TCU represented the Big 12 very well all season long. It was unfortunate what happened in the championship game. But that, I think, was more Georgia than it was TCU. Georgia was just absolutely dominant. And their coaches put together a brilliant game plan to negate what TCU did best. And I think that added up to the big victory. But but I wouldn't say that, that TCU in any way did anything other this year than show that they're a program that deserves a lot of respect. Trevor, having seen the college football playoff at four teams now for a number of years, are you still in favor of expanding to 12 or even 16 teams? What number appeals to you? 12 appeals to me. 16 is a bit much. Uh, eight would appeal to me as well. But I think 12 is good. And, and the reason is that it keeps conference championship races relevant. That's critical to me because the 14 playoff kind of diminished the importance of, of a conference championship at the national level. Two of the four playoff teams this year didn't win their own conference. And in the format they're proposing for this 12-team playoff, the top six ranked, the highest six ranked conference champions are automatically in. That means that if you've got a team with a new coach or had some injuries early or struggled and maybe lost a couple of games early, you're not out of it. You're still in it because if you win your conference championship and you're one of the top six, you're still in. And that's important because every fan base in the country, every region of the country has a chance. And then it still maintains the conference championship uh, relevance. If you've got two teams, let's say that you know Alabama and Georgia play in the SEC championship game and they're number one and number two, well, it doesn't really matter who wins because they are in uh, um, they're both going to make the playoff, right? Yeah. But what ends up happening is the highest ranked conference champions, the top six, end up with, or excuse me, the top four will make a bye. So the winner of that conference championship game uh, get a bye. So that it's still relevant to win your conference. And that, to me, is the most important single thing about going to 12. Love the idea of a bye. And as we say goodbye for now, Trevor, we should mention that your name was specifically dropped by Jerem Jordan yesterday as part of the golden age of BYU's relevance in the NFL. So you need to take credit as well. Well, I, I think uh, I, I'm very grateful for the coaches that put me in a position to be able to play 12 years in the league. Roger French and Mel Olson are two of the best position coaches I ever played with at any level. That includes in the NFL. And then, of course, Lavelle Edwards for developing a culture that I think all of us benefit from and even the players from today continue that with Kalani Sataki. The always gracious Trevor Maddich and so insightful. We appreciate the time, Trevor. Thanks, guys. Another Maddich Tuesday Trevor Tuesday, in the books. Trevor Tuesday. Catch every game and every interview again for the uh, second time. Uh, first time, if you missed it, uh, that is. Get all your BYU sports content on BYUSN.com. And looky here, offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick is back tweeting Bill Murray gifts. What does it mean? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. You can follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Twitter. He is Jerem. I am Spencer. You know what time it is. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. All right. Jay Hill is hard at work, my friend. 
all the time, apparently, even on vacation. The defensive coordinator's daughter supplied some outstanding content for us. First, this TikTok video showing that Coach Hill at Disney is not like <laughs> any other person at Disney. Always on the phone, looking at recruits, talking to recruits. This is just another day at the office while his family vacations. This is, this is like the ultimate dad moment, right? You gotta work, but you wanna take your family to Disneyland. Then there is this that his daughter Ashton, one of our former students and an outstanding employee sent in yesterday, pointing out her dad's Disney artistic abilities. How about that? He's a good artist. And the drawings of Goofy and then one from Lilo and Stitch. Is that what those are? Amazing. Okay. What's more impressive? Jay Hill at Disneyland as the recruiter or Jay Hill at Disneyland as the artist? I appreciate hard work. Uh, I do like the, uh, the drawings. It's not easy to be artistically gifted. So, it's not. Uh, and, and as someone who is, I'm just a terrible artist. Like I'm terrible at that. That's impressive. The free hand of Goofy is really, really impressive. He probably traced, he's like I, traced that's it That's fantastic. But I'm gonna lean towards just like, his, just the want to, to be on the phone. In the rain, doesn't matter. Like he's just on the phone, he's checking things out. I love that video, I thought that was really fun. Maybe we should give it to his daughter, like for filming him doing that. That's well, impressive. That's pretty easy. That, that, that's fun. Zach Wilson addressed the media yesterday, was adamant that he hasn't given up on New York and the Jets. Do you expect him to be the Jets starter in week one next year? Strangely, I do. Yes, because I think they're stubborn. Give him one more chance. I think they're stubborn. And, and he crushes go. it in practice? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I expect him to be the starter for the Jets in week one, and it's going to be a wild offseason. I don't know what to expect. Uh, if I'm the Jets and I've got that good of a defense and hopefully Brees Hall coming back, I want to make sure my starting QB puts us in a position to make the playoffs. Is that Zach? We certainly hope around here it is. Unless it's Jimmy Garoppolo and they can convince him to go to New York. But why would you go to New York if you're Jimmy Garoppolo? Why? Because you have a defense ready to get in the playoffs? I think they're playoff ready. They just need a quarterback. All right. Hopefully it's Zach. The Gonzaga-BYU men's basketball game on Thursday is officially sold out. What kind of atmosphere do you expect at the Marriott Center on Thursday night for a BYU team that's not like they've been in recent years and Gonzaga's not what they haven't been in the last few I years? I think it's going to be nuts. This is an end of an era. It's the final home game as a member of the WCC against Gonzaga. I, I don't know that BYU is going to ever play Gonzaga again outside of like the NCAA tournament or in Maui or something, right? Um, I, I think it's going to be really fun. I think it's going to be one of those nights, man. It's Gonzaga. They're a top 10 team. It's the last time they'll play in the Marriott Center. Students are back in school. Students are back. Yeah. It's going to be electric. It's this electric. This is electric. Seth Davis wrote an article for The Athletic asking if it was possible that every Big 12 men's basketball team make the NCAA tournament. Is it? Of course it's possible. Texas Tech is the one team out. Let's say Texas Tech has a few big wins. And you think they'll have opportunities to big win <laughs> Big 12? <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're going to get eight or nine. But yeah, it's yeah. possible if Texas Tech wins some big games. Lenardi has, yeah, nine of the 10, no Texas Tech. I don't think it's possible. I think um, just league play, a few of them get sort of eliminated. But you have more teams that could have a losing record in league able to get in the NCAA yeah. tournament than others. As good as it was last year, six of the 10 made it. It's tough because you cannibalize each other's chances. Yeah, right, right now it looks like that, but it won't in uh, early March. Nine of 10 would be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. BYU men's volleyball back in the rankings, number 13 this week in the ABCA poll. Is it now time to increase our expectations? No, uh, if BYU is outside of the top five, they're not up to standard. Honestly, the standard is so high. Um, and you have teams in the top 15 poll that have losing records later in the year. 13, 
while it's cool to be back ranked, honestly, it doesn't really matter. Um, and next week, BYU play Fairleigh Dickinson before and all. Maybe they go up. Even if BYU was like eighth, it's still below the standard of the program. This team's still going to figure it out this year. Maybe next year. No, my expectations remain BYU to finish probably fifth in league and just inside the top 15. Like they're, I'm, so they're basically right yeah. on par. Yeah, what I expect. I'm more concerned about MPSF finish than ABCA poll ranking this year. For sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, at Sports Card Backs <laughs> tweeted the back of Greg Kite's 1990 NBA card, of course, BYU legend. What's the best part about this? Uh, his haircut. <laughs> it's incredible. And mustache. Yes. What a handsome man you are, Greg Kite. He's a, he's a great dude. And he watches the show regularly from Lives in uh, Florida, Florida right? yeah. with his family. That's awesome. Love this, love that picture, but the hair and the stash are certainly the top, are top tier for me in this card. Two things, we had these cards growing up. I yes. still have them. I love these. Um, and then the fact that, uh, you know, Greg's daughter came to BYU and we were in a class. They were like, okay, get to know someone, blah, blah, blah. Found out. She was Greg Kite's daughter, and she goes, you know who my dad was? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's we like know. an old-timer here. That's like an 05, I'm a freshman or whatever. She was like shocked that I knew who Gregory Fuller Kite yes. was. Yes. And these cards, by the way, this is how we knew stats. This is how we knew hometowns, height, weight, college, averages. These were our Pokemon this, cards. Pokemon? <laughs> yeah, that's how we knew it. I love those cards. I love that it says college, Brigham Young. Brigham. Yeah. Also, remember, he was the 21st pick overall. I know. I haven't forgotten that part. There you awesome. Go. Back when BYU had NBA draft picks. That was awesome. Okay, join us Thursday for BYUSN game day ahead of BYU and Gonzaga. Let's go, baby. It's on ESPN and BYU Radio. But we've got you pre and post game. This is kind of like football, right? Not on our air. We still got it. Tyler, Blaine, Spence, and myself, 830 Eastern, Thursday night. College football has entered the long winter's break. So it's time to look back at just how good or bad, our preseason projections were. This is BYU Sports Nation. Oh boy. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. And I'm going to miss that Jaron Hall to Puka Nakua connection. <laughs> Pretty good. Some incredible highlights Strong there. Wi-Fi there. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station. We are live in Studio B. Before BYU kicks off each and every football season, we have an annual tradition of making our season projections. We keep receipts. We're not afraid of those receipts. We're uh, going to revisit those receipts <laughs> right now and see how good or bad we were with our preseason projections. Okay, first uh, category, Jaron Hall passing yards and touchdowns. You said 3,628. Yep. I said 3,228. Yep. He had 3,171 yards Ooh. and 31 touchdowns. So I'm close to the pin on, uh, on the yards there, and we tied on the touchdowns. Only 29 yards off of that. Had he played in the bowl game? Had, <sighs> he, had he been healthy? Been healthy? Yeah, he, he would have had a better performance against Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah. It is what it is. All right, Christopher Brooks rushing yard is category two. Yep. I said 1,073, you said 1,190, 817 yards, but he too was injured. and He would have had 1,000 had he not been hurt. Yes. 
So I'm, and we still thought he could do more. Technically, I'm closer to the pin, but yeah, yeah, eight, yeah. eight seventeen. Okay, has he had he stayed healthy? Over a thousand for sure. Who have more receiving yards, Romney or Nakua? Well, Puka did. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both picked Puka. Um, I said nine twenty. You said nine fifty. Had six twenty five. So I was. He sat out guys. like four games. We both got the right. He would have had a thousand if he had played all the games. I'm I'm a little frustrated thinking about all of these things. Like for the first three categories, you said five. Had Jaron been healthy? Had, had Puka Chris been Brooks been healthy? Had, Chris had Puka been healthy? This is what's missing from BYU football: is you need the main guys uh, to be yes. able to get there. So therefore, ah. you need more depth if main guys get hurt. Okay, Isaac Rex touchdowns. Yep, we split the difference. I said he'd have seven. You said five. He ended up with six. Yeah, there you go. So we each get half point. I think yep. is what we're doing there. Who will lead BYU in tackles? Uh, we both said Keenan Peely. You said 132. I said 92. <laughs> ben Bywater led with 92, uh, 98. Uh, Keenan Peely tied for second, by the way, with 62. Max Tooley only played in seven games and had uh, 57. Max Tooley might have led in this category had he played all year. Again, it's an injury. It's interesting talking to the Peely family and Keenan specifically. He expected to have more tackles, but the defense just wasn't called in a way that everything's funneled to. Keenan Peely. I'm not, not everyone did their job. Yeah. There were massive issues there. I was a little off with my 132 tackles. Projection. Just a bit outside. Hey, I, <laughs> I was, that was my hot take. That was that my was bold hot. prediction. That was hot, yeah. Okay, how many interceptions? No, no winner, by the way, because neither no, of us no got No winner. Yeah, it was yeah. Ben Bywater. Yeah. How many interceptions as a team? <laughs> I said 10. You said 14. I thought that'd be a lot more. BYU only had eight. Yeah. Okay, Bywater and Thule, by the way, as linebackers, had three each. Talon Alfrey, Jacob Robinson, one each. I said The secondary had two, period. Crazy. Not enough. Malik Moore getting hurt, yes. certainly. Ah, uh, again, and we're, uh, and we're back. Uh, we're back to the injury conversation. Come on! I said 10, so I, I technically win that. How many sacks? BYU stunk at sacks, okay? Had 15 total. John Nelson led with three, by the way. You said 17. I said 24. Close to the pin by two. 17. And I remember when I said 17, I was like, wow, that's really, really really conservative. (laughs) And they didn't get there. Uh, It was tough. It was tough. It was tough, yeah. Longest Jake Oldroyd field goal. I said 54 yards. You said 52. It was 45 yards. He didn't even attempt a 50-plus Obviously, there were issues there. Yeah. strong in the bowl game, which is good. Okay. And then longest Ryan Rico punt. You said 70 yards. I said 68. 71. All right. get that one. So you won with four and a half correct predictions. (sighs) And I took second. Hey, I beat Shep um, <laughs> with three and a half. Shep gets you. Uh, yeah, Shep gets you. Wait, I didn't even pick. Says Shep. Listen live as BYU hosts eighth ranked Gonzaga Thursday night in the Marriott Center men's basketball pregame coverage with Shep, 8.30 Eastern on BYU Radio and the BYU Radio app. Is there a BYU Cougar who had a better season than Steve Young's 94 NFL campaign? The top five individual NFL seasons from former Cougars up next on Top 5 Tuesday. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Shows on demand, download the free BYU TV and BYU Radio apps, listen to the podcast as well, subscribe, rate, and review. Top 5 Tuesday today features the top five individual seasons by BYU Cougars in the NFL. One note here, we're going one season per player just to share the love and not focus on Steve Young with all five. (laughs) Number five, Jamal Williams, 2022. Just happened, 17 rushing yards, broke Barry Sanders' single season record, led the NFL in that category, joined 
Tyler Algier, first seasons of BYU Cougars to rush for 1,000 yards, 1,060. Incredible. Number four, let's go back to 2020. Fred Warner putting himself on the map with his 125 tackles in a season, earned himself a spot on the All-Pro first team, as well as a ticket to the Pro Bowl. All-Pro Fred became a thing that year. Number three, Jim McMahon, 1985. He's QB on the Super Bowl winning Bears team. Second team All-Pro, 2,300 yards, 15 passing TDs. Those numbers seem low, right? Well, hey, he was handing off to Walter Payton and the fridge, and of course he rushed or caught four touchdowns as well. At number two, Todd Christensen in 1983 for the Los Angeles Raiders. Remember when they were in L.A.? He led the league in receptions with 93 catches, hauling in over 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns as a tight end. All-pro offensive honors selected to the Pro Bowl. Christensen and the Raiders would go on to beat Washington in the Super Bowl. Incredible. What a year. Maybe the greatest year outside Incredible. of this next one. Why that's why it's number two. Number one, Steve Young, 1994. Second NFL MVP. All-pro first-team Super Bowl champ. Record six touchdowns in the Super Bowl against the Chargers. First player in a Super Bowl to lead his team in both passing and rushing yards. <laughs> Steve Young's 94 was unbelievable. And again, if we did every individual season, Steve Young might have all five. Yeah, like he, he was, had at least three. <laughs> he's BYU's only Hall of Fame football player, uh, pro football that is. Amazing. Uh, incredible. Great season by Jamal. Congratulations. Yes. Our question of the day, what's your way too early hot take for the 2023 BYU football season? Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated from Takanur on Twitter says, BYU beats TCU in Provo with college game day in attendance. I still haven't gotten over 2008. Was that 2009? Nine. It was nine. Yeah. Well, oh wait, we haven't gotten over either. <laughs> Today's Let's rise and shout out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Jake Retzloff, welcome to BYU, man. Stoked to have the number one Juco quarterback out of California. Yes, our thanks to today's guest, Trevor Maddich on a Trevor Tuesday. Sorry to Dennis, no time, bro. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Steve Sarkeesian, another former Juco quarterback that did big things for BYU. Get your hands off me. <laughs> <laughs> Go Cougs! <laughs>